Uh, welcome to Simply Cyber. people good tuesday morning to y'all good to have you here team live saw eric mcclellan catching it live alana duke norris marcus up in here kimberly the chiller instinct cyber munchkin all the squad members matthew necci james utu kudo good to see you greg all right everybody welcome 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 Today is Tuesday, December 20th. Welcome to episode 265 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Dozier, and over the next 45 minutes, I'll be delivering the top cybersecurity news stories of the day and providing my expert analysis on each of those stories on what it means to you as a practitioner or if you're looking to break in. There's a lot of value here. <laughs> so please settle in. Get ready, we're gonna have a good time. But before we get into the news and all the jaw jacking, I'd love to share the stream sponsors with you. Give them the credit they're, they're due. Great businesses, great people. Shout out to Barricade Cyber Solutions. Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil. But Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Check them out at barricadecyber.com. Here's the website if you're uh, live or, you know, Team Replay can see it too. <clears throat> you scroll down half a click. Eric Taylor, his calendar's right there. One click pulls up a time. Another click books an appointment with him. All you got to do is have a conversation with the guy. He is a, a regular person, can have a normal conversation. Smart guy, too. Also, I want to throw some love and let you guys know about Recon InfoSec. If you are... Randock Gaming! What? Did we just become best friends? Thank yep. you for the super chat, Randock. Hey, if your organization is large enough to have cybersecurity concerns, but maybe not quite large enough to build a full-fledged security operations capability from the ground up, which many of us are, Check out the managed detection and response offering from Recon InfoSec. Their offering includes the people, process, and technology needed to deliver full-spectrum security operations to organizations of any size. They're literally, like, it, they might as well be your security operations department. You can reach out to them. You can talk to the architects, the engineers, like, whoever you actually need to talk to about an actual situation that's actually going on, you get to them. A lot of these bigger ones, man, it's like you have one handler, and I get it, but it's it's frustrating when you're having to like, like work through someone when you just need to talk to the analyst. <clears throat> so consider Recon InfoSec if you're looking for MDR solutions. Now, I want to remind everybody, did you know if you hold professional certifications that require CPEs, each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing, just like the one we're watching right now together, is worth half a CPE. So two and a half a week, 10 a month, they stack. Be sure to document by saying what's up in chat, by saying team live, team replay. Document literally the easiest and I would argue the most enjoyable to get CPEs. Check with the professional certification body. I looked at ISAC and ISC squared and it worked out perfect. So good to go. Those are where I have my certs. Can't let him be the only gamer donating right now. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. Thanks gaming with the cat. Hopefully you could have joined us yesterday when we were cyber gaming on World of Haiku last night. If you're live, love it. I see 79 of you already stacked in here. I'm sure many more of our friends are going to show up as the show rolls. Thank you for being here. <clears throat> if you're on Team Replay, drop a hashtag Team Replay in the comments. 
thanks for catching the stream. I hope you enjoy it. And remember, the audio podcast app of choice, you can listen to Simply Cyber, just the audio, as we pair. We pull the audio out of the video uh, right after the show ends and throw it up on the interwebs, and you can pull it down on your audio podcast app of choice. Just search for Simply Cyber in your, you know, your Spotify, your Apple Podcasts, your whatever, and we're good to go. Cyber Munchkin dropping love, Super Chat. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. Happy holidays to you, Cyber Munchkin, and I hope your studies are going well. It is good to balance work and play, no doubt. All right, guys. Now, if you're watching on replay and you want to jump right into the news, just skip ahead about two minutes. Uh, but for the next two minutes, as I am known to do, I want to say what's up, everybody. Have a, have a little sip of the coffee. Welcome people into chat. And then get right into it. All right. So let's throw this intro skip to the side and say what's up to Kimberly can fix it. Kimberly. Great cash, homie. Love it. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Hey, David B. Carey. Guys, I filmed my advent of cyber video um, and uh, it's it's ready to go. It's all edited. Um, it's going to go up on the 22nd. I hope you guys enjoy it. Woo. A lot of drop in the heat. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. Alana, thank you for the squad support. I appreciate it. I appreciate all of you, Alana. Thank you very much for that super chat. Very, very generous of you. Gary Sturgiatis. You might you might recognize Gary's name. He's the one who was hospitality to cyber, the old server. Randock Gaming in here. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. Getting the hype train rolling early, guys. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Reminder, there will not be a show on Monday, December 26th for holiday. Boxing Day we're celebrating. <laughs> Mm. Gosh. AOC Trihackme's killing me. Who's doing AOC? Who's doing Advent of Cyber Avon Trihackme? It is good. It is a great program. Super pumped that they asked me to be part of it. I hope you guys enjoy the stream uh, when, when that pops. I did I did sneak in one sound effect. It was not Carl. Great cash, homie. I'll give you a hint. And enjoy Hacker Man with Keyboard. Hacker man with keyboard. I dropped it in there. I don't see it in my my uh, chat window yet, but I definitely uploaded Hacker man with keyboard earlier this, today. So we need to be seeing what's up. There it is, Kimberly. Oh, Dora's coming in from Germany. Remember, before right final thing before we get into the news. Remember, there's Hacker man with keyboard. Woo woo. Love it. So, new emotes coming. It looks like we have another emote unlock available. So, stay tuned for tomorrow or Thursday, as time allows, where we can vote on the next emote to unlock as a community, all right? All right, y'all. I think it's that time. What do you say we get into the news? Yes? All right. Let's do this. From the CISO series, it's Cybersecurity Headlines. It's Tuesday, December 20th, 2022. Botnet shrugs off Google. In December 2021, Google caused significant disruption in the operations what? of the Gluteba botnet. Yep. Thanks, James. technical mitigations and legal actions against two Russian nationals suspected of operating it. However, the group resurfaced in June, launching so-called upscaled attacks that saw a tenfold increase in Tor hidden services being used as C2 servers compared to previous efforts. The botnet spreads using vulnerabilities in MicroTik and Netgear devices and uses a blockchain for command and control infrastructure, making it extremely resistant to disruption. All right. So this is pretty interesting. Um, oh, wow. Okay. Hold, hold on. Sorry, guys. This this one is very interesting. So I want to uh, consume uh, a little bit more before I provide my thoughts on it. Wow. 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 Okay, so this is really interesting. This is really interesting. Okay, so from what I gathered from this particular story, okay, so there's a botnet, right? Now, th there's a lot going on here. When we think of botnets, sometimes we're like, oh, okay, like it's just, it's just infected devices and you can control a... Um, like a denial of service attack, which is fine. Yes, you can do that with a botnet. But what is also being done here in this botnet instance is that devices are being compromised and they are being used to host or you know serve up um, 
you know, access to systems and, and ultimately host fraudulent ads, click-through ads, spam, malware, okay? The malware that you're getting on endpoints is uh, info stealer and that type of stuff, including uh, like crypto wallets and stuff. Now, what makes this particularly interesting is that they're using all of the tricks, okay? So they're using Tor or the Onion Router, the dark web, if you will, to handle uh, C2 command and control of the botnet, which makes it very difficult uh, to take down because that's part of the the part of the you know value prop of the dark web of Onion Routers, right? They're 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 more difficult to kind of identify. Second of all, and this is the part that I think is really um, interesting and leave it to criminals to figure out a way to actually use the blockchain in a way that's meaningful. They're using blockchain, which is an immutable record, which is accessible from all over the place because it's decentralized in order to pass the, the command and control commands. So the botnet is scanning, looking, is scanning the blockchain, looking for certain wallets activity. The wallets are basically the identifier or the key to say, Hey, this is from me, the criminal, and this is the command, like whatever the transaction is within the wallet or within that blockchain record. It's kind of brilliant because you can't take the blockchain down. You can't force the wallet to be changed because it's decentralized. There's no centralized authority who can really do anything about this. Um, now, for what it's worth, once those wallets are identified, uh, investigators and defenders can you know continue, can look for those wallets and try to reverse not reverse encrypt or, or reverse engineer but like once the wallets are known you can see where the wallets are and you can try to piece together what the command and controls are because they're out in the open everyone can see them not just the criminals so um there is that downside to it but a very interesting um very interesting techniques here more advanced obviously this thing this Botnet is built for resiliency. Uh, and right now they're just doing info stealing, but because it's difficult to take down, um, you know, it could be weaponized further. We've seen threat actors selling access to their botnet uh, to other threat actors in order to promote whatever campaign that they're after. So uh, stay tuned to this one. This one's not going anywhere. This one's really interesting to me. Freaking blockchain. The future of ransomware. Trend Micro published a report titled The Near and Far Future of Ransomware Business Models. It predicts that ransomware organizations will increasingly shift strategy to develop their own vulnerability research rather than using pen test teams or purchasing access credentials. Given that these skills are scarce, it believes some groups will offer researchers first to refuse agreements, paying them for a first look at new exploits. The report also believes that ransomware groups will better optimize operations to focus on targeting cloud infrastructure. This could include development of cloud-specific ransomware families designed for unique cloud services. All right. So this is, um, this might sound like news, but this is not news at all. Okay. If you've read Nicole Pelroth's, This Is How They Tell Me The World Ends, excellent book, by the way. I referenced it in my newsletter uh, last week. Dude, think about this for a second. Think about this for a second. I'm a security researcher, okay? I find a bug in your software, okay? Or I find a bug in your uh, piece of technology, your iPhone, right? Now, Apple, maybe Apple will pay me $50,000, all right? Let's get crazy here. Apple will give me $300,000 because it's a ridiculous, unauthenticated, remote code execution, zero click, no touch, Pegasus level weakness that I could just send you a specially crafted text message and I own your phone, right? Like, like the worst of the worst, okay? And I'm gonna get 300 grand. Now 300 grand, Great cash, homie. that's not bad payday guys, not a bad payday, but criminals will give you millions of dollars for them, okay? And now this is where you've got to question your own ethics and your own moral compass and stuff, but th that's what this is saying. There, this is saying, I bet you anything this has been going on. Ransomware groups are now just are now just becoming more public. Like they're basically saying, "Hey, you know, you might know about Hacker One and Bug Crowd, but there's also, you know, Conti Crowd or or Lockbit One. You know, like basically, ransomware groups are essentially saying that they are open for business in the zero day market." 
And I guarantee you they are going to pay significantly more than these bug bounty platforms for good reason. So again, like this isn't, this isn't new, right? Nation states have been doing this for years. Nation states, the big ones, right? They have been buying zero day vulns for quite a while. Read Nicole Powell Ross. This is how they tell me the world ends. All right. This is not new. There is a black market. These are black market weapons. Think about it. It, it allows you to walk into someone's system without them knowing, right? Or you can chain them together. If you can, if you can provide a working, like if you provide a vulnerability with a working exploit, when I say working, I mean very reliable, no matter how you run it, what system you run it in, it's going to execute and, and get the access it needs. That is very valuable, like very valuable. Okay. So that's what's going on here. This isn't great, right? But this isn't new. So don't don't let this freak you out. Don't be like, oh my God, the ransomware threat group actors have figured it out. They can buy zero day exploits on the black market. No, like this has been going on for years, okay? So just, you know, hopefully security researchers have an ounce of uh, like ethics and moral and, and, and don't want to do this. But you know what? At the same time, guys, if you can have life-changing money, I'm talking real changing money would you do it would you do one thing you know would you make would you make one transaction if it could you know set your family up for life if it could get the health care that your you know your your mom desperately needs right epic games receives record privacy fines Epic Games agreed to pay $520 million to the U.S. Federal Trade Commission to resolve allegations that have violated online privacy protections in Fortnite. The FTC filed two civil suits, one that Epic had collected personal information on players younger than 13 without notifying parents. It also enabled voice and text chat for those users by default. Epic will pay a $275 million fine as part of a civil penalty for alleged violations of the Child Online Protection Act related to that suit. This represents the largest penalty ever obtained for violating FTC rules. A further $245 million fine in consumer refunds will be paid to resolve a second suit that Epic used banned methods called dark patterns to get customers to pay for in-game items and create obstacles for canceling payments. This represents the FTC's largest administrative order. Epic also agreed to make further changes to Fortnite to protect users. All right, couple things. Uh, one. I play Fortnite, okay? It's it's like my kids, well, <laughs> you, under 13, you're not allowed to play um, Fortnite. That's like one of their rules, right? You're not allowed to play under if you're under 13 years old. And there's actually been a really famous uh, story where there was a kid who was like eight and he had a, uh, a YouTube channel or a Twitch channel or whatever. And he was good. I mean, he was like elite player. And he was like winning a tournament or something like live on stream and Fortnite banned his account instantly. And they said they'd unlock it when he turns 13, which obviously doesn't do him any good at that moment. So Epic has made, you know, gestures to promote this under 13. But I know lots of kids, you know, I, I, I'm not going to say, you know, m you know, my, my kids are 13. They're both 13. <laughs> so, but... I just know lots of kids are on this. So Epic knows lots of kids are on this. I will say that they are making, um, they are trying to make a little bit of change because the other day uh, launching Fortnite, it, it prevented you from going in the game before you uh, put in your birth date, which, which bothered me because I don't want to give my birth date up. Uh, but, you know, obviously I think it's more to ascertain the age of the player, not to harvest data, but I'm sure they sure they're harvesting that date. I'm sure they didn't delete it once they did the math to see if I was over 13 or not. But anyways, that's aside. Half a billion dollars. How's that taste? How does that taste, dude? Half a billion dollars. Oh, way to go, FTC. Um, I will tell you, like, okay, under 13, over 13, you know, you make your own decisions, different families, different parenting, different whatever. But, 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 but I will, I will tell you this, guys these dark techniques of like um forcing in-game purchases and this is the kicker for me making it difficult to cancel subscription models that is where i get off the bus and start yelling like at clouds dude 
making it hard to cancel is like the scummiest capitalism thing, especially when this company is printing money. Like Epic Games, good on you. I think you make a fun product and, and you've obviously cracked the business model for, um, you know, free game, but then upsell on all the uh, microtransactions. Like way to go. You've done it. Like, do you really need to be a scumbag and make it wicked hard for people to cancel? I hate that crap. That's like, that's, that really is a button for me. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Um, good on the FTC for going after these guys. Half a billion dollars is a pretty nasty uh, thing. Uh, I, so, you know, let's see if they learn from it. I, I don't think, you know, we joke that like Facebook gets hit for like $23 million for GDPR violation. And we, we LOL that it, it, you know, that could be uh, petty cash. I think half a billion dollars for Epic is pretty, you know, it, it's not going to sink the business, but it is material. Um, I always wonder what happens to that money. Like, where does the $520 million go? Is that like the FTC gets it or does it go to like some fund for the victims? I, I don't know. I'd be curious if anyone knows, put it in chat. How LinkedIn reduced time to find security threats. ZDNet's Danny Palmer profiled how LinkedIn revitalized its cybersecurity operations through its Moonbase program. In March 2022, the platform rebuilt its threat detection, monitoring, and security operations center over the course of six months. It's based this on how potential threats were detected initially, targeting data around intellectual property, customer information, and regulatory information for priority analysis. The new SOC shifted to use automation for initial threat detection, flagging threats for investigators to look at manually. Moonbase also increased user awareness of suspicious activity, providing additional content and explanations why behavior got flagged and asking for feedback. All right. Okay, so check this out. Couple things here that are awesome. Okay, so LinkedIn got bought by Microsoft a few years ago, if you recall. So obviously they're well-funded. Um, especially with Twitter. I mean, LinkedIn did this long before this, but you know, Twitter is kind of imploded. So a lot of the professional conversations that were split between Twitter and LinkedIn have now moved over to LinkedIn. LinkedIn is a massive platform. I'm all up in LinkedIn's business. Many of you are all up in LinkedIn's business. Okay. So LinkedIn, I like, I like this. Okay. You know, <laughs> look at, look at, you know, like Twitter and I think Facebook did it like firing their information security staff, like not a good look. LinkedIn doubles down, all right? So they empower their cybersecurity operations and not just from lip service. Like, you know, some businesses will hire SecOps and be like, here you go, like figure it out. No budget, no staff, whatever, no tech. They wanted to improve it. And it, it makes sense, right? There are tons of people on there. Wherever the people are, there's gonna be tons of scammers and scumbags and criminals all up in there. And LinkedIn is trying to make it a safe, valuable um, enjoyable experience for professionals on, on the platform. Okay. So they invested heavily into cybersecurity operations. And the key takeaway here is that they are leveraging automation. Now I, I did a video just the other day, guys, it was a sponsored video. So, you know, take that for whatever it's worth, but I did a video on Intizer and their platform for automation for SOC analysts. Guys, here's the deal. If you've never been a SOC analyst or you never like dealt with alerts and stuff, the, the false positives are a real thing, which basically means you, you like you're looking for bad on your network, right? And you've got all this cool tooling. <laughs> Whoops, wrong button. You got all this cool tooling, right? You got all this cool tooling and it's like notifying you like, hey, this process just fired off. Hey, this thing just created a new uh, service. Hey, some users uh, failed to log in a bunch of times. Hey, there's some weird IP address, right? Well, if you have to investigate that, right? And a lot of times there it's a false positive. Like, oh, it's just, you know, Carl is traveling to Norway. So it makes sense. Or no, like the way that Windows works, this is supposed to fire off another process and create a scheduled task or whatever. Or like, it's just PowerShell, right? Kevin in um, IT is doing a uh, network-wide update and he's using PowerShell to push everything. It's not a problem. Well, okay. The, the problem here is it's called alert fatigue and analysts are just like, oh my God, like overwhelmed because you're constantly like, is this bad? Is this bad? It's not bad, right? Where you get almost apathetic when actual alerts come in and you're like, I don't know, it's probably not bad, right? You get kind of desensitized to it. It's a real thing, right? And it's part of the reason why SOC analyst work is very grindy. Well, with something like this or like that Interzer product, like you can use automation, you can use machine learning for lack of a better term 
and known bad, detection engineering is a field that is what advanced SOC analysts do. And it's basically tuning the, the tool. It's tuning the tooling to be able to reduce false positives and actually find real bad. Okay, so you need you need automation if you're going. It, there's just too many alerts in 2022. There's way too much alerts. There's way too much tooling for a human to consume it in any meaningful way. So you need automation, and that's what this story is saying: is that LinkedIn dealing with massive, massive amounts of data, massive, massive user base has relied and leaned into automation to help flag the things that really require human analysis, right? So the analysts are probably enjoying their work more because they're looking at real things that are really require analysis and, and you know threat hunting and, and detection tuning and all these things versus a bunch of crap that is not a big deal and that doesn't really require any investigation. If you're interested in any of what I'm talking about, seriously, the Thursday defensive recon infosec hosts that Zoom call, that, like they're talking about this stuff all the time. If you went to Wild West Hackenfest, um, and watch Dave Kennedy's talk, his entire talk boiled down to one thing. Our industry will require more detection engineers if it's going to keep pace with threat actors and their behaviors. All right, let's let's get the mid-roll. Now a word from our sponsor, Tynes. If you're like most security teams, you're juggling multiple mission-critical priorities. But what if there was a way to break the silos in your environment, a way to focus on meaningful tasks, a way to reduce errors and achieve faster response times. Check out Tynes.com to start experiencing the true benefits of proactive security operations powered by no-code automation. Oh, crap. Musk. All right, here we go. All right, since it's the mid-roll, I want to just take a minute and tell you guys a couple fun things. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? All right, guys, we got our instrumental Simple Minds. Hopefully you can still hear me. I want to thank all of you for being here. We got 160 uh, this fine Tuesday morning. Shout out to Barricade Cyber Solutions and Recon InfoSec for sponsoring the stream. Genuinely appreciate that. Guys, if you're getting value, this is just the first half of the show. If you're enjoying the stories, if you're enjoying the analysis, if you're enjoying the community, take a minute, hit that like button, it goes a long way to letting other people know. It tells me that you like the content. That's not why I'm asking you to hit the like button. I'm asking you to hit the like button so other people will find out about it. It's the way the algorithm works. Want to remind you guys, if you didn't already know, if you go to simplycyber.io newsletter in your web browser, that URL that's in yellow at the top right there, drop that in a web browser and you will be offered the opportunity to sign up for the newsletter, which is not really a newsletter. It's basically an email I send once a week, every Monday with three pieces of actionable intel that you can operationalize immediately. I write the email on Saturday or Sunday and it goes to you on Monday morning. A lot of people find value in it. I do it because I think it adds value. Um, you know, I, it, like I, I take an hour out of my week and I write this email for the community. So please uh, sign up if you're interested. It's all about good times. Hey, 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 hey. All right, let's get back to the news. Kind of a short mid-roll today. Pulls himself out of a job. Shortly after reversing a policy decision to block posts from rival social networks, Twitter CEO Elon Musk said that all major policy decisions on Twitter would be decided through user votes. After that, he posted a poll asking if he should step down as the head of the company. At close, 57.5% of respondents said yes. Musk says he will abide by the decision, but said that there is no successor at this time. In previous court testimony and investor notes, Musk stated he would eventually reduce his time and step back from his current role at Twitter. So this probably isn't too much of a surprise. Oh, my God. US Dude, this guy. This guy. Wow. <laughs> I'll tell you what, man. If I invented, I mean, if I invested $44 billion, right? I, I you know, I guess I am a type A personality. I like order structure, process improvement. You know, maybe that that's my cross to bear. But dude, if I invested a substantial portion of my financial, 
you know, portfolio or whatever you want to call it. You can bet I would be driving the car. This guy. Hey, what do you guys think? Like people like, dude, I could see people voting. Yes, quit literally just for lulls, just for fun, right? Oh, let's see if we can make Twitter burn down, dude. Like the people on Twitter who are voting, like, yes, there's real people, normal people, but there's also bots. There's also people who don't care. It's not, it's not professional. You're not asking a board of directors, should I be fired? You're not asking the employees, should I be fired? You're not asking the investors, should I be fired? You're asking like, just regular people. Hey, like people, what? It's insane. This is insane. And by the way, so like, so he's, if he steps away and there's no successor in the wings, like, is this thing just going to be like a boat that it like the, um, like the Goonies, like uh, one-eyed Willie's boat at the end of Goonies, just kind of like floating off with no one, no one behind the wheel. Oh my gosh! Holy crap! All right, well, I guess you know whatever. That that was a fun, that was a fun ride. I mean, he he's like a hammered rich college kid who's just like, you know, like buying crap and and just not caring. It's insane. Like, I don't know. I'm beside myself. Um, it, I'm beside myself. We'll, we'll see what he does. Um, so, all right. Way to go. Consumers concerned about personal data. It was a big day for polls. According to a report from the accounting firm KPMG, 92% of poll respondents said they were concerned about how personal data would be handled by private companies. Almost 90% of respondents also said companies should provide more detail about how they handle this data. Meanwhile, 97% of business leaders reported being highly confident in plans for collecting and using consumer data over the next three years. 49% of business leaders said they provide clear information about how consumer data is used, and just 45% produce timely breach reports. You donkeys. All right, all right, all right. So KPMG is one of the big four, um, you know, really well-respected accounting firms in the United States, right? So if they if they issue a report... You know, it's really like BDS, you know, it's like, oh, you better take this seriously. It's legit. Okay. So a couple things here. There's two key takeaways, right? One, most U.S. citizens are concerned over their personal data. First point on that. If I asked you, hey, like, are you concerned about your privacy or your data? Like, you're probably going to say, yeah, right? But at the same time, if I say, okay, you're going to have to start paying for Gmail then. You'd be like, oh, I'm not that concerned, right? Or, hey, you're going to have to start paying for LinkedIn. Ah, whoa, 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 whoa. You see what I'm saying? Right? Like, I honestly believe, yes, people are concerned because they see all these privacy breaches and they don't, they don't, I don't want to say they don't appreciate, but they're not, they're not mapping to how to control their own privacy. But when you, when you ask them, they say, oh yeah, no, no, privacy is a big deal to me. And then you actually, you, you, you indicate to them the decisions they would have to make in order to achieve the privacy that they are saying that they're concerned with. And it, it wouldn't reconcile, right? I'm just, that's, I'm telling you, I don't have data to support that, but I'm telling you right now, ask yourself, right? Ask yourself, are you concerned about your personal data? Most of you are going to say yes. But then if I presented you with an option to increase your privacy, but at a cost, you know, like you don't use a platform anymore or you don't, you pay for something. You, you might, you know, like it's, that's the deal. Okay. Now, the second thing that they said in this story, which makes me crack up is that 92% of business leaders polled said that they have a plan on using personal data in the next three years. No kidding. Okay, guys, storage is wicked cheap. You're collecting all this data already. There's a huge market both internally for your own like product and reporting and all that crap. Also, there's a secondary market where you can sell your data to data brokers where they'll enrich the data and then they'll sell it at a marked up price. Data is the new gold. I swear to God, I say it all the time. I've been saying it since 2015. Data is the new gold. You like, of course, businesses are planning to use, 92% of them are planning to use data. It's freaking it's like fiduciary, it's irresponsible from a fiduciary perspective to not 
harvest and suck up data. There's nothing stopping them from doing it. It's right there. It's super cheap to store. It, it persists. It, it's not like a vegetable that's going to go bad on the shelf. It'll sit there. They don't even know how they're using it. That's my point. Like, so part of it that cracks me up is that I bet you of those 92% that plan on using it for the next three years, if you asked them, what's your plan for using it? I bet you half of them would be like, harumph, harumph, right? Like to just give you like, like just vaporware uh, on how they would use it. I don't think a lot of businesses understand how to monetize data, but a lot of businesses know that data is valuable. So they're just sucking it up. That's my, that's my hot take. Right? Like. Again, thoughts and opinions are, are, are my own. You know, you can you can uh, uh, you know agree to disagree or share it in chat. I'm sure some folks will have a different opinion. I'd love to hear it. This work against influence operations. Meta revealed that since 2017, it took down over 200 covert influence operations across its various platforms. These networks originated from 68 countries operating in 42 languages. Most focused on domestic users, while roughly a third of operations focused on foreign countries. Russia, Iran, and Mexico were the most common locations for influence networks. Russia's operations targeted Ukraine the most, no surprise there. As far as tactics, these range from making spam comments to operating cross-platform media organizations that hired real journalists. These networks combined most commonly targeted the U.S. The report also highlighted Meta's investigations into spyware vendors, including suspending almost 400 accounts linked to two Israeli spyware operators. Tis the season. Hmm. Interesting. Um, all right. So I am actually really interested in this report. Okay. I'm going to read this report. I, you know, I, in, yeah, I'm going to read this. Okay. I, I'll let you know how this goes. Um, so this is really interesting. Meta takes down 200 covert influence operations. Guys, this is big picture macro level stuff, but something you should be mindful of. Two things. One, 2017, uh, so it's a five years worth of data, but they said that one of the top ones was Russia uh, doing influence operations on Ukraine, which obviously means to me that that has there has been a significant amount of this type of activity in the last ten months because of the um, the Ukrainian war. So that to me that means like think about it. There's five years of data, but like this small segment it accounts for a lot of it. So there's obviously been heavy, heavy uh, action in there. They mentioned Iran. Uh, you know, Iran's got its own. I think Iran is the country that's got uh, like revolution and protests specifically around how women are treated uh, um, in that country. A again, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I do believe that's exactly the circumstances that are going on. Guys, let's pull back for a second and talk macro level. Social media is like, a double-edged sword for uh, authority uh, for for people in power. Okay, people in power can weaponize it in order to reach the masses faster, but they can't control it. So the uh, uh, dissenting opinions can find a voice and be able to uh, organize and coordinate and share and communicate. Right? The uh, governments in power, people in power don't like that. Okay. Okay. That's why that's what propaganda is, right? That's why usually when you could control it, you'd see governments controlling the media, controlling the mainstream messaging. Here are the talking points, right? If you want an extreme example of it, look at 1984 by George Orwell, where, you know, they're control or V for Vendetta, where they're controlling what the messages are, right? So you don't want this story getting out or you put a spin on a certain story, um, you, you can famously, like when a big news story breaks in the United States, that's really one-sided for a political party, pull up a major news outlet that is, you know, very right and a major news outlet that's very left and look at the headlines for the same story. They will tell two different stories. Okay. Just a headline. This, this is, it's just a tool and a, and a weapon of massive influence. Okay. And it's, it's what the people, thanks Dominic. It's what people in power do guys. Spoiler alert, okay? People in power want to stay in power. People in power want more power, okay? So they will do what they need to do in order to achieve that goal, which is influence operations. So good on Meta, good on Facebook for identifying these uh, influence operations and uh, disabling them, okay? You would, you, would, you would hope 
that freedom of speech and open discourse and not and, and you know adult conversation like this is supposed to be what makes us human right like an intelligent species the ability to share ideas and discuss differing opinions and then come to conclusion right like civil people anyways i appreciate this um i'm going to read this report for phishing a new report from the Bitdefender Anti-Spam Lab found that Christmas-themed spam increased consistently from November 27th through December 9th. In terms of spoofing, common targets included Netflix and Lowe's, tempting victims with unsolicited offers for cash giveaways and other prizes in efforts to ultimately get credit card numbers. The report noted that this incurs risk for both consumers and businesses. Many businesses freeze IT and site changes to focus on increased customer volume. This can make organizations change how they view risk during this time, potentially more likely to pay ransoms or deal drastically with security issues in the hopes of staying online. Just All right. Yeah. So I don't like so there's two there's two things here. One, no surprise. One, no surprise that uh, there's an uptick in spam. Spam emails, phishing emails during the holidays, right? We, like you could set your watch to it. It's definitely going to happen. I've been getting the same Yeti cooler Dick Sporting Goods email for like a month, right? Dick's Sporting Goods really wants me to give give me a Yeti cooler backpack. Uh, just click here now, okay? They also mentioned Lowe's and uh, you know some other uh, delivery one, I think. Anyways, educate your end users. Obviously, the holiday season's almost over, so like this story is you know kind of. Uh, a day late, dollar short. But we should have all known that this activity was going to happen and that you should have been educating your end users about this. Now, the interesting thing I think of, and you know, I, I'm kind of torn about whether I care or not, is that the story points out that legitimate businesses, right? So like, let's say Dick Sporting Goods is trying to send you email about a, you know, holiday discount or holiday campaign by threat actors impersonating them. It, it degrades the ability for an actual legitimate business to be able to reach actual legitimate consumers because we're educating our end users. Oh, okay. Um, he, we're educating our end users to kind of dismiss all of this, right? So, so um, you know, the, the commercial businesses are like, oh my God, like, you, but you know what? At the end of the day, Businesses have a certain spend on marketing, Great cash, homie. right? Businesses have a certain spend on marketing. And if they're not realizing a return on their investment for their emails, they just stop sending them. So I'm not like super broken up about this because, yeah, okay, so it's it stinks that Dick Sporting Goods spent $4 million on marketing by sending out emails and stuff. And they only got $2 million worth of business on that marketing. So next year, they're just not going to do that. They'll, they'll spend their marketing dollars somewhere else. They'll put LinkedIn ads, right? Or, you know, or whatever. It, it's not like, you know, I'm not losing sleep or crying for, for Dick Sporting Goods. For me, I'd rather the end users, our, our family and loved ones don't get exploited. Uh, I also want to point out, this is like a little bit of, um, this is like a little bit of a win. On average, the average... Uh, uh, like a third of Americans fall victim to online shopping scans. That stinks. But on average, the average impact is $387, okay? Now, listen, I know that $387 um, can be a lot of money, right? You know, it's, it's people who are living paycheck to paycheck, trying to make ends meet, $387 can be meaningful. But I would, I would argue that if that's the average impact if you fall victim to a cybercrime, that's not that bad, right? Criminals can really get you, man. And they can empty your bank accounts. They can take wicked advantage of you. Um, so if you're getting off at $387, you know, I, I, I don't want to say consider yourself lucky, but like that's not as bad as it could be. It could be way worse. So I'm happy to see that the average impact is that low for an individual because we're not talking about businesses getting hit we're talked about like my aunt kathy getting hit okay so i feel like 387 dollars you can recover from losing your entire retirement or your entire savings or having your credit card maxed out that is tough to come back from i also want to give a quick shout out here um 
I, I, the mod chat, BSEC told me that I missed the main point of this Elon story. He told the court that he was going to step back before he bought the company. So I guess maybe Elon's just uh, trolling Twitter. You know, he would he would be stepping away anyways. And he just did the Twitter poll in order to maybe encourage people to take part, to get some pub. I mean, he doesn't really need to do this. But anyways, I just want to call that out uh, since BSEC made it a point to call that out. Reminder, we're taking a holiday break from... Oh, hold on. That's interesting. A holiday break. Mike, you, hold on. Some of our podcasts, including the CISO Series podcast. While there's no new episode this week, it's a great time to check out our back catalog, give our other shows like Defense In Depth a listen, or share some of your favorite episodes from the year on LinkedIn or your microblog. Okay. So I'll have to reach out to David Spark, who's the producer of CISO Series Headlines, and confirm that. But guys... I'm doing a show tomorrow. I'm doing a show Friday. No show Monday, but I'm doing a show Tuesday. He just announced that they're taking <laughs> they're taking a holiday from the from the CISO series podcast, which means uh, Alana, yes, exactly, guys. Hey, when there's no podcast, it doesn't happen often, but when there's no podcast to play underneath, your boy Jerry here does the analysis and the top news stories. <laughs> so. It, we'll call it Freestyle Jerry. Um, you know, we'll see what happens, y'all. But uh, stay tuned. It, it's going to get kind of squirrely. It's going to get kind of freaky uh, uh, all up in here. Let's go ahead and play some music as we as we uh, slowly slide out. All right, guys. This has been the CISO, uh, This has been Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. If you were here for the news only... That completes it for today. Today was Tuesday, December 20th. Thank you all for being here. Hit the like button on your way out if you got value from the show. Also, if you got value from the show, I might I might ask you to take a minute and, and, and do a service for your own social network, for your own professional network. If you got value from this, tell somebody else about it. Let them know that what we're doing over here. I do this every single day. I think it adds value. I would love for more people to find out about it. All right, 181 of us in here right now. It'd be great to get some more of you. Squad members, thank you. Hey, Paris Gatsby, you're welcome. Nightshade, keeping me on track and up to date. Yep, it's, it's how we roll. It's how we roll. George Strasberger, hashtag free Jerry. <laughs> yeah, hey, we'll have to come up with an emote for the freestyle Jerry. I don't know. Remember, guys, um, I'm, I'm open to uh, some inputs for freestyle Jerry. We've got another... Um, We've got another emote unlocked, so um, I'll have to get to that. I'm, I'm doing, guys, I'm working my butt off right now. Uh, I, I started working with Haiku uh, the other week, and I've just, I've been really, really busy. Um, Advent of Cyber, I'm working on a new Cyber 101 course for next year. I, I've got three new modules for the GRC Analyst Masterclass. They're fully loaded into the system. I just have to publish them. Uh, and I've been trying to coordinate with TCM, um, on on the on the publishing of it i might just freaking turn them on and let it go but i was trying to do it professionally so we'll see um what else we got going on uh this wednesday so tomorrow at 11 30 a.m eastern standard time i will be playing threat gen red versus blue we've got a special holiday one i play this every other wednesday i've got a special holiday one we will be hacking into santa's workshop this is the elves santa's workshop we will be going uh, ham on them and doing some damage. Red team style attacking Santa's workshop. The threat gen team has actually made a special Santa's workshop map for us to attack. And it's going to be a good time. So holler at me tomorrow at 1130 a.m. Take it easy, Tom Bishop. I, I don't know. We'll see. I will make uh, I'll make four emotes and you guys can vote on it. Yes, it'll be Gerald the Grinch. That's right, Joel Belton. That's right. Love it, love it, love it. Good to see you, Jess Bishop. Carmen San Diego, always nice. Tomorrow is Worldwide Wednesday. Remember, uh, we're going to try to run the um, run the world and uh, get after that. I'm pretty excited about that. Hey, Vana. Okay, so Vana Gondar from Iceland uh, was was up in here at uh, Haiku Stream last night. I, I'm, I'm totally butchering your name and I'm terribly sorry. Um, have a great day, Chiller Instinct. 
Advent of Cyber. Yep, I'm going to go contact uh, Try Hack Me right now and get my Advent of Cyber published up there for, for the 22nd. All right. All right, guys. Little little jaw jacking before we go here. Have a great day, Justin Gold. Have a great day, Jess. Shane Prevost, good to see you, man. JP, Hacker Man Keyboard. That's right, I scored Deucey Deuce. I love that. I love that number. 22s. Yeah, Joel Belton. Guys, I, I don't have a card for it, but... um. Let me show you this. I've got like a really awesome um, show that guest this Thursday. Let me tell you about the Simply Cyber Live stuff. Cause we've got, I've got um, two guests here. Check this out. Can I, how do I drop this in here? Boom. All right. So next, this Thursday, Mick Douglas is gonna be our guest. This guy, Sands Instructor, wicked awesome guy. Very smart. He's going to be our guest. Uh, stop thinking about Miter Attack as a silver bullet, but he's got tons of really great thoughts. And then um, right before the New Year's over, I mean, right before the New Year, Alyssa Knight, API security hacker and um, filmmaker is going to be my guest. And we're going to be talking about all the work she's been doing. So super excited about that as well. Have a great day, Brett Bowen. Gary Sturgiatis. That's right, man. Duke Norris, thank you. Healthy hacker? Yeah, we could use one of those. All right, yeah, 8-bit love. All right, guys, that's gonna do it for today's uh, stream. I appreciate all of you. Thank you very much for being here. We'll see you tomorrow at 8 a.m. Eastern time. I'll try to have some emotes for us to vote on. Thanks, K. Scott Powell. Thanks, Don Barrett. Thanks, Carrie. Thanks, George. Hey, Aish, Tenex, Del, have a great day to you too, zombie guy. Microsoft training in the morning? All right, that's good though. Keep keep leveling up your game, zombie guy. Nice, Kimberly. Josh B's up in here. Haircut Fish, we'll see you guys for Worldwide Wednesday. <laughs> All right, guys. Be good. Thank you so much. See you tomorrow. <laughs>